This is the Hoove It or Lose It podcast, hosted by Pastor Andy Hoover. It was June of 1996, and I remember it because we had final exams, and I distinctly remember final exams as different from midterm exams because midterm exams went in sequential order from one to seven. So you would take bell one and then bell two, and then the last exam you took was bell seven, and final exams was reversed. That's why I remember it. Final exams were reversed, so you started with bell seven. Uh, I don't know why they did that, and you would end with bell one. And so I remember that day in June of 1996 going in for what was to be my final day of high school, taking bell one final exam, which for me was drafting class like the protractors and the squares and the, that's literally all I remember. We were excited uh, and we, we had concocted church what we believe to be this epic plan. We believe that it was this epic plan, it was this great idea to just blow the doors off the place and let everyone know that, that we were seniors, we were gonna do something epic, something that would leave this major impact on the school and let them know that we were done. And so a group of us, probably four or five carloads of students, got together and we all walked simultaneously out to the parking lot. We kind of gathered and made sure everybody was ready and went out to the parking lot and probably four or five carloads of kids lined up and we got in cars and listen, this is where it gets good. Um, In unison, we drove up in front of the school and I can see it, it's Wentwoods High School right here and they're getting ready to tear the building down in a few years but I was just there the other day for our faith in action and I was reminiscing on this moment and I can see exactly where my car was parked. And so we lined like four or five cars up full of people and in the wing that we lined up in front of was like two levels, right? So there was all of these classrooms that looked out over where we were and where we had lined up. And so we pulled up and in perfect unison, we had like four or five cars lined up and this is where it gets just, it was just crazy. In perfect unison, we all blew our car horns, just wait, for like 15 seconds. And then we drove off. And honestly, I'll tell you, in that moment, that was like an amazing plan. Like in my 18-year-old mind, like that was the stuff of legends. Like I'm serious. Like I was reflecting on that. I thought I was like super cool, you know, because I did that. And I was confident that, you know, from this point forward, future senior classes were going to talk about that. You know, they were going to talk about that moment where like, you know, I could almost hear them in the hallway like, dude, do you remember that senior class that lined up and blew their car horns for like 15 seconds and then they drove off dude that was so epic and i can almost hear them saying like we'll never top that you know like in my mind it was this amazing thing in my 18 year old mind it was the stuff of legends in my 18 year old mind it was pure genius and i was confident that in that moment i was going to be leaving a lasting impact on all future generations. Well, you'll be comforted to know that my aspirations and methods uh, for impacting people has since grown, Um, thank goodness. Um, But I would imagine as I thought about this that I'm not alone in this desire 
to make an impact. If we took time, I'm sure that each one of us could go around and kind of list out areas of our lives where we desire to make an impact, areas of our lives where we hope that we've had an impact. We desire to impact our children. We long for our children to heed some amount of wisdom that we've tried to impart them over the years through our words and through our actions. And we pray and we hope that in the long run, our children will be impacted by how we've carried ourselves. We desire to make an impact in our chosen field. Few of us would probably ever admit to just being satisfied with collecting a paycheck. I mean, regardless of what your field is or your chosen profession, from customer service reps to engineers or teachers or doctors, we all desire to help bring some sort of progress to our area of expertise. We desire to impact those that we work with. When we talk with people at lunch or around the water cooler or we collaborate on a particular project, we want our presence to be felt. We desire to be noticed. We desire to be heard and we want our words to carry some level of weight. We desire to impact those that we love who've yet to come to an understanding of the saving forgiveness that Jesus Christ offers. We hope and we pray for those unsaved loved ones that some of our words or some of our actions might somehow come together under the the power of the Holy Spirit to soften their hardened hearts. The list could go on and on. I'm sure and each of us desires to leave an impact on those around us, but, but I was thinking, why is that? Why are we not satisfied with just collecting a paycheck? Why are we not satisfied with just feeding and clothing our children? And if we're honest, some days that's all we can accomplish. It's just to feed them and clothe them. But why are we not satisfied with that level? Why do we long for more for them? Why do we long to make a difference in the lives of those around us? Listen, here's what I want to suggest to you this morning, that you desire more because God created you to desire more. In Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 11, it specifically says, Yet God has made everything beautiful for its own time. He has planted eternity in the human heart, but even so, people cannot see the whole scope of God's work from beginning to end. You see, church, there's something embedded inside of each one of us that causes us to recognize and to know that this isn't all there is. There's something embedded deep within inside of us to know that this isn't all that there is. We weren't created to just exist. We were created to make an impact on our surroundings. Jesus tells us in John chapter 15, verse 16, he says, you didn't choose me, I chose you. He says, I appointed you to go and produce lasting fruit so that the Father will give you whatever you ask for using my name. Listen, we get this analogy, fruit trees don't just exist, right? Fruit trees exist for a reason, they exist for a purpose, they exist to produce fruit. You and I were created to, to, to not just to exist, but to produce fruit and to impact the people that we come into contact with. Charles Spurgeon said this. He said, every Christian is either a missionary or an imposter. I heard the analogy once that said that we treat the mission, you know, the mission of going and impacting people, telling people about the gospel. I heard this analogy once that said, we treat the mission like the youth pastor trying to find someone to close in prayer. 
And that particular analogy may not make any sense to you, but when I heard that, I laughed out loud as I read it because I, I thought, I've been in that situation before. I've been in the situation where I'm like, hey, real quick, who wants to close this in prayer? And it's church as if I've just asked someone to throw themselves off a cliff. Nobody's making eye contact with me, and, and I've seen it in adult settings as well. No one makes eye contacts and everybody's got their head down and nobody's shifting around in their seats a little bit. It's not any different, listen, than the boss trying to find somebody to work on a Friday a little late. Hey, I need a volunteer. Who is that? Everybody keeps their head down. Everybody dunks under their cubicle wall. Or the boss trying to find somebody to take on a project that everybody in the office is avoiding like the plague. Listen, church. In both scenarios, everyone's thinking the same thing. And here's what they're thinking. Please choose someone else. Please don't call on my name. And I want you to understand this morning that God is calling you to make an impact on those around you. He's embedded that desire deep within you. When you fully embrace and discover that calling, you discover that not only does God call you, but God then equips you to accomplish what he's called you to do. And I'll tell you, church, that's one of my absolute favorite parts about following Jesus. One of my favorite parts about following Jesus is that I'm actually following. I actually get to follow in his footsteps. And what I mean by that is that I'm not out on my own trying to figure things out. Amen? I'm not out on my own, left to my own devices. I'm not responsible to forge my own path through the vast wilderness of the unknown. God's word maps out for me his general revelation. And then my time in prayer allows me to discover his specific revelation for my life. The saints of the church, those that have gone before me, I get to walk in their wisdom. And in very broad strokes, the same can be said as we think about the impact that God is calling us calling on each of us to make to those around us, he maps it out. His general revelation in his word is for you to make an impact. Why? Because this is what it says in Matthew chapter 28, verse 19. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Listen, that's our calling as believers. That's his general revelation for all of us as believers to make an impact on those around us. So allow me to just, just for a moment to alleviate any confusion that some might have here this morning as we talk about God's calling on your life and his general revelation for your life. Let me just answer the question really quickly. If you're a believer in Jesus and you have a right relationship, not a perfect relationship, but if you have a right relationship with Jesus, you are called, according to God's general revelation found in his word, you are called to make an impact for the cause of Jesus Christ to those around you. Now, when I say that, sometimes people get uh, bristly. They get a little, and I start to hear words like, well, I'm not really a talker. I start to hear things like, well, I don't know the Bible that well. I start to hear things like, I get stage fright. I start to hear things like, well, I've never had any theological training. And my favorite, isn't that the pastor's job? When we say these things, church, we're forgetting two things. One, we're forgetting that the one God calls, God equips. Here's what it says in Ephesians chapter 6, 
verses 14 to 17, stand your ground, putting on the belt of truth and the body armor of God's righteousness. For shoes, put on the peace that comes from the good news so that you will be fully prepared. In addition to all of these, hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the devil. Put on salvation as your helmet and take the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Listen, church, God doesn't just throw us into the fight without preparing us. And as we suit up with the armor of God, we discover that he's prepared us for what he's called us to do. And secondly, we forget this. We forget that while God's general revelation is the same for all of us, that's what it says in Matthew chapter 28, verse 19. His general revelation is the same for all of us. We forget that his specific revelation is different for many of us. Because listen, here's what it is. God may be calling Steve to do this. His general revelation for Steve is to go therefore and make disciples of all nations, amen? But he may be specifically through prayer revealing to Steve something different than he's revealing to Jack. But the general revelation is the same, right? The general revelation is the same. And that's when we step back and we look and we make all these excuses, but here's, we've got to step into prayer. We've got to step into prayer and specifically ask God, what, well, you know, God, what do you want specifically me to do in, in, in my situation? That's why when we gather that specific revelation through prayer, it's so vital. When we spend all of our time looking at other believers around us and, 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 and we start to become defeated. We start to become defeated and we start saying things like, well, I can't serve like that and I can't sing like that and I can't speak like that and I can't do what they do. Listen, that might not even be specifically what God has called you to do. Following God's specific call in my life and in my specific circumstances doesn't start with me trying to imitate someone else's specific calling. No, see, you have to immerse yourself in prayer. You have to train yourself to listen and to hear and to recognize the voice of God for your specific environment. And it's when we train at that level, listen, it's when we train at that level that we begin to live out what it says in Isaiah chapter 30, verse 21, whether you turn to the right or to the left, you will hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it. As you spend time praying for those who are in your sphere of influence, you begin to sense God's specific revelation on how and where you can impact those with whom you come into contact. And then as you join, join together with other believers in prayer and encouragement and accountability, that's why the small group is so important. That's why the rows are great, but the circles is really where we get encouragement. The circles is really where we get stamina. The circles is really where we get boldness to go out and to live out the specific revelation that God has called us to. As he walked the earth, Jesus himself gives us these phenomenal examples of how we're to impact those with whom we come into contact. He impacted, Jesus impacted people from the moment he stepped on the scene. The scripture says that when Jesus entered into the world in the form of a human, the Bible says it was good news. In Luke chapter two, suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified talking to the shepherds, but the angel reassured them, don't be afraid, he said. And then he says this, and don't miss this. He says, I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. And church, I wonder this this morning, I wonder if our arrival would be classified as good news. 
I'm not suggesting any sort of messianic comparisons. But I'm simply saying, when people hear that you're coming, when it's been discovered that you're showing up on the scene, when it's been discovered that you're going to be the new project lead or you're gonna be the new project partner or you're gonna be working a shift with so-and-so or you're gonna be staying late with so-and-so, listen, church, here's the question I encourage us to ask ourselves. Do others view that as good news? The answer, of course, depends on how we carry ourselves. The answer, of course, depends on what we've become known for. The answer, of course, depends on whether or not when we walk into a room, are we bringing life or are we bringing death? Proverbs chapter 18, verse 21, the tongue has the power of life and death. Proverbs 15, 4, the soothing tongue is a tree of life, but a perverse tongue crushes the spirits. Listen, our words carry power. Our attitudes carry power and far too often, listen, we allow our reputation of negativity, we allow our reputation of criticism to destroy what impact we might have had before we even walk onto the scene. It was St. Francis of Assisi that said, preach the gospels at all times and if necessary, use words. Friends, our potential impact begins long before we ever open our mouths to share the truth of the gospel. Scripture records for us an account of Jesus as a 12-year-old. He's traveling with his parents to Jerusalem for the Passover festival. And they participate in the festivities there. And on the way home, they discover that young Jesus as a 12-year-old is no longer with them. And Scripture says it takes the parents a full three days before they find Jesus. And Jesus is, of course, the scripture maps out for us in the temple. And he's discussing with the religious leaders uh, things related to the law and the prophets. And of course, when Jesus' parents find him, they, of course, give him the riot act, right? Jesus, where have you been? Why did you do this to us? And Jesus' response, did you not know that I had to be in my father's house? Of course, it hints at Jesus' ultimate impact. It hints at his ultimate mission of what he came to earth to do. But in Luke chapter 2, verse 47, I was reading that this week as I was preparing, and I read that, and something caught my eye, church, that I've never really noticed before that I give to you this morning. In Luke chapter 2, verse 47, it says, All who heard him, speaking of the religious leaders, all who heard him were amazed at his understanding and his answers. And I was preparing this week and perhaps for the very first time caught that idea that Jesus' time in the temple was about more than just him knowing all the answers. It was about more than him just knowing all the answers. The scripture specifically says that he understood. The religious leaders were amazed at what he understood. And listen, that fact impacted them in a powerful way. And as we think about our impact on those around us, church, sometimes we place far too much emphasis on communicating what it is that we know and how we can communicate to those what we know so that they can be impacted. Hey, let me tell you what I know. Let me tell you what I know. Let me tell you what I have expertise in. Let me tell you what the Bible says. Let me tell you this. Let me tell you that. And far too often we place too much emphasis on making sure that they understand what we're saying before we stop and seek to first understand what it is that they're saying. I mean, what if we started listening? I mean, really listening to someone else's perspective, not with sympathy, but with empathy. But what if our greatest tool at our disposal, church, for impacting those around us were our ears? 
and our heart. Jesus never listened to people. He always heard them. When people said to Jesus that they were thirsty for water of the physical variety, he offered them living water. When people came to Jesus and they said, Jesus, I need to be physically healed, he first offered them spiritual healing. See, Jesus modeled for us the idea that we need to listen not to what people are, not to what, just what people are saying, but rather what they're feeling. Jesus impacted people when he spoke to them as well. As people clamored to be near Jesus and to huddle in around him and they pressed in around him, he offered them countless times in scripture these, these countercultural lines of thinking. Jesus says in Matthew chapter 5, verse 21, you have heard that our ancestors were told you must not murder. If you commit murder, you're subject to judgment. And I can almost see in my mind's eye the people there listening, all the people of the Old Testament faith, they were there gathering and listening there. Yes, Jesus, that is what the scripture says. Amen. That's absolutely what it says. And I can almost see in my mind's eye their excitement. As he quotes Exodus 21, an eye for an eye, but then he goes on and he says this, but I say, even if you're angry with someone, you're subject to judgment. And I can imagine, church, the hush that came over the crowd at that moment as they pondered what he even meant. But he doesn't stop there. Jesus continues with this model, introducing these kingdom principles. He says, you have heard the commandment that you must not commit adultery. And again, the amens ripple through the crowd. Everybody's excited. Everybody believes that. Everybody's on the same page. But then he goes on and he says, but I say to you, anyone who even looks at a woman with lust in his eye has already committed adultery with him, with her in his heart. Silence. They said nothing. People were baffled, people were confounded, people didn't understand what exactly Jesus was saying, but now they're hooked. Why were they hooked? Because Jesus was presenting some intriguing ideas. Jesus was presenting some stuff that was unheard of in that culture. But he continues to push forward in verse 39. He says, I say, do not resist an evil person. If someone slaps you on the right cheek, offer the other cheek also. If you're sued in court and your shirt is taken from you, give your coat too. If a soldier demands that you carry his gear for a mile, carry it for two. He goes on in verse 43 and 44. You have heard it said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But then he says this, but I say, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. I mean, Jesus was just rapid fire, right? Given these countercultural kingdom principles. Jesus was the master at introducing these principles. But here's what I really want you to notice as you read through Matthew chapter five this week. I want you to think about that. Jesus modeled church what it looked like to introduce kingdom principles. He modeled what it looked like to introduce kingdom principles in a way that explained the consequences without offering condemnation. And as we think about the words that we use, in our efforts to impact those around us, probably more often than not, we would categorize our words in the genre of condemnation. We accuse and we reproach and we denounce and we blame and we pass judgment. And what we see in Jesus is he impacted those around him was a different way. Jesus wasn't about compromising the message but he delivered the message via love and compassion. Romans chapter five, verse eight. But God showed his great love for us that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. 
Jesus spoke, he spoke with tenderness and he spoke with compassion, yet his words were impactful. His words were life-altering to everyone who heard them. We see in Jesus a model that points to more than just speaking words. We see a model of action. Jesus impacted those around him by how he spent his time and who he spent that time with. Countless times in the scripture, as the crowds were pressing in around Jesus, multiple times the scripture maps out that Jesus slipped away, even from his closest disciples, to spend time alone in prayer. Luke chapter 5, verse 16, but Jesus often withdrew to the wilderness for prayer. Luke chapter 6, verse 12, one day soon afterward, Jesus went up to the mountain to pray, and he prayed to God all night. Matthew chapter 14, verse 23, after sending them home, he went into the hills to himself to pray. Night fell while he was still there alone. Listen, church, so faithful was Jesus' practice of prayer. So consistent was his practice of prayer that it led to Luke chapter 11, verse 1, where his closest disciples came to him and said, Jesus, teach us how to pray. What if that could be said of your life? What if the way that you lived your life was so full of faithfulness and consistency that those around you approached you asking for you to help guide them towards your practice? What if you fully embraced the impact that you know God has called you to embrace? What if you stop measuring your impact in comparison to those around you? What if you measure your impacts according to the model that Jesus maps out for us in his word? What if your reputation preceded you, church, not in a negative way, but in a positive way to where people got near you, they felt free and they felt alive? What if your, in, your words impacted people with life and with healing? What if, church, you stopped listening to people and you really heard what they were saying? What if you modeled faithfulness and consistency in a way that caused other people to come to you asking for you to show them the way? You think for just a moment about how different our neighborhoods would be. Think about how different our political system would be. Think for a moment about how different your workplace would be. Think about how different your family would be. Think about how different this church would be if we as a congregation banded together and said, we will make an impact on every person we come into contact with through how we speak, through what we say, through what we don't say, through how we pray, through how we spend our time, through who we spend that time with, through our faithfulness and consistency, we will make an impact on those around us. Friends, that's the invitation this morning. Perhaps you're here this morning and you say, you know what? In this moment, I acknowledge that my impact perhaps isn't what it should be. I've not been as faithful as I should have been. I've not been as consistent as I should have been. I invite you to come this morning and to make a fresh and a new commitment. through the power of the Holy Spirit, not your own power, not your own willpower, not your own stamina, not your own strength, but through the power of the Holy Spirit, I invite you to come and to say, I will live a life of impact. Father God, thanks for this day. God, thanks for this opportunity to be here in your house. God, to look into your word. 
God, I pray that as we reflect for a few moments in prayer, God, I pray that as your Holy Spirit speaks clearly to each one of our hearts, God, that you would give us boldness. God, that you would give us courage and a real spirit of transparency to acknowledge those areas of our lives where we haven't been as faithful or consistent. We haven't been impacting people through our words. We've allowed our reputation of negativity and criticism to precede us. God, we look to your son Jesus as the ultimate model of how to impact those around us. God, we thank you that we're not left on our own to figure out what it means to follow you. God, you specifically tell us in your word, you give us your general revelation, God. You've offered us the opportunity for a specific revelation through prayer. God, if there are those here this morning that need to look to you for that specific revelation in their specific circumstances with their specific gifts, God, I pray that you give them a specific call this morning. God, if there are those here this morning that have been journeying alone, trying to make an impact on their own, God, I pray that they would look to their left and they would look to their right and they would see brothers and sisters in Christ that are ready to journey with them. God, we love you. Holy Spirit, speak to our hearts. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Hoove It or Lose It podcast. For more information or resources, visit www.hooveitorloseit.com or on Facebook at Hoove It or Lose It. 